Well, welcome to the A Little Better Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Files. Today, we continue answering your question in Revelation, and hold on to the end where you find out, is Northridge Church pre, mid, or post-trib? Well, remember, the goal of this podcast is to know Jesus better, and by the power of his Spirit, do better, so that together, we can be a little better. Good morning and welcome to A Little Better. And uh, of course, it might be obvious we're missing uh, our uh, partner, Daniel, who is celebrating an anniversary. So that's a good use of his time. But that leaves us to tackle some great questions and revelations. (laughs) But let's uh, let's warm up with an easier one. Best decade of NBA basketball. (laughs) Uh, the era of Michael Jordan. Which Michael would be Jordan the in the nineties. I lived in Chicago at that time. It was pretty incredible. Glorious. I also went to school in Boston in the eighties, when uh, there was a lot happening with the Celtics. That yeah. was a, that was a great time too. And those, but I do. Yeah, one of my favorite. Yeah, with um, with the Bulls. You know, my favorite series weren't the finals. There was the like conference championships, like those battles with New York. Oh, man, they were so good. Oh, man, those were such good games. And then the finals were almost, uh, you know, yeah, you knew let Jordan down. Was gonna you win knew, you yeah. knew they would win. So, yeah. hey, we are in agreement. The yeah. 90s. I mean, <laughs> hey, how, it, if you watch basketball now, sorry, Nate Bannell, Ian, it's not the same. Once MJ left, mm-hmm. basketball, at least professional basketball, mm-hmm. has gone downhill. Ah, uh, the glory days. So let's stop sounding like old timers and move <laughs> on to some... Uh... Speak for yourself, actually. <laughs> <laughs> on to Revelation. Well, the questions keep coming. Uh, I keep thinking we're going to get to the end, and uh, then people submit more questions. Well, which that's is... how people feel about Revelation, right? Yeah. yeah. We're, we're going to get to the end, and oh, wait, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> well, the calendar will catch up with us at some point. So if you've got questions to ask, the time is running out. You better get those in, because we've just got a couple of weeks left to go at it. So we are trying to... we trying to obviously some questions group, you mm-hmm. know, and onto certain topics. So we get a lot of questions about chronology, a lot of questions about timeline, and in specific questions, specifically questions about the rapture. So we have a few questions here that kind of look at different aspects of that. So let's just uh, move through the questions and see um, how they relate to one another. But number one, is Revelation linear? So I imagine the original question was just these three words, is Revelation linear? So I guess we have to guess what they're asking about. Does linear mean <clears throat> it proceeds chronologically? Right. That every verse indicates something that happens after the verse before it and before the verse yep. that comes after it from beginning to end. What do you think there? I would assume that's what they're asking. And my answer to that would be no, mm-hmm. um, because I, I think there are sections of Revelation that can flow linear, but I also think that you're going to run into some problems once you get towards like chapter 12 to 15, where mm-hmm. you know there's parts where God's kingdom comes, but evil hasn't fallen yet. And so it's Mm -hmm. hard to imagine the book flows linear. I think you could probably get to the point where you run, you know, chapters one through 11 to 12 and then take a break and then pick it back up towards, you know, evil falling, Mm -hmm. the beast being in the millennial kingdom and then towards the end of the kingdom come on earth. I think you could maybe find a way where that flows linear, but the whole Mm -hmm. book as a whole, I think if you read it as a, 
chronological book, you're going to have some problems. Absolutely. Yeah. It, yeah. Um, it seems like wrath is poured out several times. Yeah. Does that mean there are multiple consummations? I don't think so. Yeah, I would agree uh, with so, that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we do have, we'll put a link in the show notes. Daniel uh, found a, a great article. It's just in ter- it's called How to Read Revelation and just has some good tips. But Well, and I think another reason too, Brad, is like ask someone to put, a revelation into a timeline, mm-hmm. it's really hard to do, right? Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't flow linear, right? right? You read the Gospels, it's the account of Jesus. They flow, you mm-hmm. know, from a linear perspective in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, even the passage Daniel just preached uh, last week, um, you know, you're you're coming from past to present to future all in the same segment. Right, right. It's... Yeah, and then the question obviously is what is what is John trying to communicate? You know, what is the Book of Revelation trying to communicate? I think we've already established in previous weeks. Highest priority is not a chronology; is right. not a timeline. I grew up with um, like prophecy conferences and different things, and I would see diagrams spread yep. across the wall <laughs> from left to right with these very detailed. Boy, someone was confident about what the book of Revelation meant. Uh, Me, not so much. Um, So question number two, when you die, does the Bible teach that you go to heaven right away, or do you rise at the rapture? Yes, I think we will go to heaven right away. I think we taught this in the Heaven series, and we'll hit it in week nine, uh, the, the final week of Revelation, is there's two heavens, right? The Bible describes two heavens. There's an intermediate heaven, and mm-hmm. then there's an ultimate heaven. The ultimate heaven is the the heaven where, at the end of the Revelation, God brings his kingdom to earth, and heaven and earth collide in this beautiful Jerusalem, new Jerusalem. And so um, if you go to the story, I forget what passage it is, but it's the thief on the cross, right? Mm-hmm. What does he tell? the thief today you'll be with me in paradise so right. the guy's hanging on a cross he's gonna die that mm-hmm. day and jesus says hey good news today you'll be with me inherit in paradise and so that's intermediate heaven right. it's the in-between paradise between people who die now and the time period where god brings his kingdom to earth mm-hmm. Yeah, and Paul also says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Yeah. So it does seem to indicate that, I mean, some of these things are just hard to wrap around space and time. Yeah. But I think the Bible teaches that our experience is at the time of death, just like Paul says, just like Jesus says, the thief on the cross, that when we die, we are immediately with the Lord. Also parts of Revelation, right? The saints who have died are crying out to their father, how long until you judge the inhabitants of their... So they're in the presence of Jesus. They're asking him a question. They're longing for him to bring ultimate heaven. And so we Mm -hmm. see people who have died in the presence of the Lord. Yep, absolutely. Great. Okay, so... On my odd outline here, I have another question, number two. I think this Ooh. was misnumbered. 2A. <laughs> <laughs> so now um, this next question apparently was asked in two different ways, but I think they're both kind of after the same thing. So one question said, where are the followers of God located as God releases his wrath? Are they still located on earth in the midst of it all, though protected? And then the other, another question similar. So if the tribulation is the time when God pours out his wrath on evil and we are Christ followers, then does that mean that the believers present during this time are exempt from God's wrath? So both questions are kind of tackling the question of what's, 
do I get the wrath of God? (laughs) You know? Yeah, I understand the priority of avoiding (laughs) the wrath of God. I'm right with you right there. So, thoughts? Okay, let's answer this a couple ways. One, if you want to avoid the wrath of God, right? If Mm -hmm. that's your intention, Mm -hmm. you do that through Jesus Christ. Okay, Mm -hmm. so he, Jesus takes the wrath of God that Mm -hmm. we deserve on the cross, pays Mm -hmm. for it, and the way you avoid the wrath of God is through the blood of Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. believing, confessing with your mouth, and believing in your heart that Christ raised from the dead. So I don't believe Christians will receive the wrath of God. Mm -hmm. Now, the ultimate question really here is asking, when does the rapture take place? That's an Mm -hmm. important piece to answering some of this question. And it it all depends on where you believe the rapture happens. Some mm-hmm. people believe it's going to happen before any of God's judgment pours out. Um, it happens before the seals are released, and so God brings his people to heaven. Some people mm-hmm. believe it's it's mid, some believe it's post. Mm-hmm. But what I do know is that the people of God don't experience the wrath of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so again, we just always want to remind people, there's things that everyone agrees on. We have these things, you know, where people smarter than me, certainly, who yeah. know their Bible really well, have taken different views on pre-mid post or even if there's, you know, a rapture at all right. and in those sorts of things. And yet the big, big picture is God wins. His salvation is accomplished. Right. If you're a believer, you will be saved, though suffering may come. So this isn't even a question just about tribulation, right? We have people today who are going through horrible stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Horrible stuff. People around the world that we can see in civil war, famine, people right here yep. dealing with, with all kinds of things. The message is the same, right? I mean, God is sovereign. Yep. No matter what suffering touches mm-hmm. a believer's life, it may happen later, it may happen now. But in all those cases, God's in control. He will ultimately deliver. Even the suffering yeah. um, serves a purpose. And I think we have to, to make a distinction between suffering and the wrath of God. Mm -hmm. Because we suffer now, and that doesn't mean we're experiencing the wrath of God. We're we're dealing with the consequences of evil. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't be opposed to believing that if there are believers during the tribulation time, they might experience great suffering, but that's not the wrath of God. That's the consequences of evil still existing. It's the consequences of evil, but as you have said, God uses evil to accomplish good. That's this right. This is one of the amazing things about the Bible. The cross itself, the greatest example. Yeah. Horrible, horrible evil used to accomplish the ultimate the greatest good. good. Yeah. So, yes, these evil things are happening, but even in that, God is yet he's still righteous, yeah. right? And the but challenge for Christians is like, let's not try to avoid suffering because mm-hmm. sometimes suffering, the, the church suffering or the church being persecuted is when it produces the greatest good, mm-hmm. right? The, the church has a tendency to grow in suffering, in persecution. And I think, you know, we often are like, how do I get around that? How do I, I avoid that? I but we see clearly in Revelation that God uses, even in the midst of evil, evil for good. Yeah, I know one thing I'm often reminded of is the power of witness, Mm. right? It's just that, I mean, how persuasive is a prosperous church, right? I mean, hey, you know, um, sure, you're following God because you think it got you all these blessings. But those who hold on to faith in the midst of unbelievable suffering, persecution, tribulation, whatever, those are the ones that you just, hey, I mean all the disciples who gave their lives 
for a lie? I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, this is the the think of the people God is speaking to mm. through your suffering, yeah. persuading of the reality of God by seeing something they can't explain otherwise in you. It's good, but that God is at work. Cool. All right, number three. Again, I, I, I don't really, think, I don't think it's really four. number three. It's really number four. <laughs> so what do you say about the rapture and tribulations? Will the church be gone during the seven years of tribulations? We've sort of been answering this already. Like I said, these are grouped together about rapture and tribulations. So, okay, what do you say about rapture and tribulations? Will the church be gone during the seven years of tribulations? And we already... Yeah, it's really dependent that. on your view of, of the rapture. Mm-hmm. Um, some scholars believe, yes, the church will be with Christ. Uh, mm-hmm. Some believe at some point in the midpoint. Some people right. say the rapture might never happen. <laughs> I mean, scholars are kind of all over the map here. And so mm-hmm. depending where you view the rapture answers that question for you. Mm-hmm. So if you are a pre-tribulation uh, rapture view, yes, the church will be gone. The church will be with Christ. Um, but if you're a mid, they'll experience some of the tribulation. If you're in a post, they'll experience all of the tribulation. Yeah, and, and I'm going to take a slight side detour Let's do here. It. I so, like side detours. Um, yeah, we so going back to the bulls? We've been answering this. Oh. <laughs> Not that far. <laughs> um, so we've been talking about the rapture, and I know it's been mentioned earlier before, but like the word rapture isn't even in Revelation. So right. why are we answering questions about the rapture while we're talking about Revelation? And so where... Where does our teaching about the rapture come from? You, you want to answer or you want me to? Well, I, I think First Thessalonians, am yes. I right? Is chapter, chapter 4. Yep. Okay. So we got some stuff there where that's probably the clearest picture, right, of here is a time where Jesus comes down and scoops up. Yep. I don't know if that's the technical theological term. The I don't believers. know if scooping <laughs> is mentioned, but raising. <laughs> Paul also talks about it, right? The the dead will rise first, and mm-hmm. then the you know the believers who are still on earth will meet right. uh, the people who have already gone. So their souls are rising again. This goes back to the question of where do I go when I die right now, mm-hmm. and so the the intermediate heaven is your your soul is in is in heaven. When you die, your soul leaves the body and is present with the Lord. But at the the coming kingdom of Christ, your body actually reunites with your soul in heaven. That's the rapture, right? What many mm-hmm. people believe is the dead will rise. Their bodies rise, mm-hmm. and believers meet those uh, b- dead people, bodies in heaven. It's really weird and awkward, but we get yeah. it from you know the trumpet sound in, in mm-hmm. First Thessalonians 4. It says the dead will rise during Jesus' return. Yeah, so. so and we have all these technical questions about what that means, but I do think back to, like, in Thessalonians, I mean, what... What was being asked and answered? You know, there were people who lost loved ones. They yeah. they were so eager for Jesus to come right now. They expected him any time, but yet they had loved ones who were dying. Yeah. What 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 happened to them? So that comfort was the rapture, which you know. The, so so the purpose of the rapture is to comfort God's people yep. to know Jesus will not leave you behind. Yeah. In fact, the dead even have it a little better off because they get there first. <laughs> right. <laughs> Jesus gets them. He brings us. But however this plays out, very hard to understand how it plays out. Sure. I mean, again, Old Testament saints probably would would have been surprised with how things played out in the Gospels. No doubt. They knew a Savior was coming. Um, 
But how that looked exactly, there were a few surprises. There might be a few surprises with the Raptor as well. But the teaching is God will not abandon his children. All right. So I think we're on four, which is actually five. When does the stuff we talked about this week take place? And I think what's being referred to is Revelation 12 through 14. Is it after the rapture? And this was Daniel's sermon on Revelation 12 through 14. So I'm sorry, let me read this again. When does the stuff we talked about this week, Daniel's week, take place in Revelation 12 through 14? Is it after the rapture? How would there still be believers if it is? So Daniel talked about this. And he was mentioning that this was an interlude. And so remember the beginning of Dan, when Daniel was preaching about this, he talked about if you try to put everything on a timeline, <laughs> yeah, good luck. Yeah. You're going to be very uh, confused. Um, other thoughts about this? Yeah, well, and what's hard about the timeline is there's parts of Revelation that, that flow linear. And I know the people listening, it's going to be harder because I'm going to use my hands here. But like, there's parts of Revelation where you're looking at the same time period and even past, present, and future, and you're almost encircling your timeline. Mm-hmm. So to have a timeline that actually makes sense for Revelation, it has to be 3D almost because you have to like <laughs> you have to like somehow come around your timeline to a mm-hmm. different part where mm-hmm. you're viewing it from a different angle or a different view it doesn't flow from this linear perspective and that's what's so hard about it is yeah. even with revelation it's like is this literal or is this metaphoric is this linear or what what is happening in time mm-hmm. and even daniel's message he went he even explained like some of this is past present in future, oh, okay, that makes a that makes a whole lot of sense. We're we're literally covering seasons of time, he said, mm-hmm. versus linear flowing time. Right. Okay. On to question five, which is really question six. <laughs> Are we? Here we go. We've been dancing around it. Are we pre, mid, or post trib? This person wants wants the gauntlet. You know, Lay take it a, take a stand. What does Northridge believe? Come on, fess up. Are we pre pre mid or post? So it's interesting, right? So. <laughs> our constitution says that we are pre pre trip. So that's where our constitution would land. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting, right? You talk about Northridge Church, right? Again, we're not a building, we're not an organization. We're a group, a movement of people under the name of Jesus. And so mm-hmm. where does North Northridge stand? Well, probably in many different places. Mm-hmm. Right. I think if you polled our staff right now, where do you believe the rapture happens? I think there would be different views. I think there would be people who would be pre, people who would be mid, and maybe maybe some that would be post. Um, it, what's hard is there are so many, like you said, wiser people than you and I, mm-hmm. which is really pretty easy to do, actually. No offense, Brad, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, the bar, the bar is low for me, my friend. So, But that have debated this throughout history and generations. Mm-hmm. Where does the rapture take place? Mm-hmm. And I think it's easy. Again, let's come back to the point. One thing that we've tried to do throughout the series is let's get our eyes off of things that matter but aren't the focal point. Mm-hmm. And the focal point of Revelation is not when the rapture happens, right? You can get caught up in those weeds, but let's focus on the message. Christ's kingdom is coming. <clears throat> we don't know when, but we need to be ready for it. Yeah, unless anyone thinks, does your constitution mean anything? You know, if you're just saying it doesn't matter. We do. If anyone who's been through our membership process, they know that we point out uh, core beliefs and distinctives, Yeah. right? So 
the core beliefs uh, are the things that we absolutely insist on agreement on. Yep. I mean, if you don't believe that Jesus is the only way yeah. uh, to address your sins, to be approved and, and included in God's family, yes, it's gonna be a that's problem. a bear. That's, that's yeah. a problem. Absolutely. If you don't believe the Bible is true, you know, that's going to be a problem. But we then we have distinctives, and these distinctives are, these are the things that we... We flex on. We we believe them, but we're not going to insist that you have complete yep. agreement on those things. Yep. There's things that we will, to put it in like frank terms, there's things that we won't argue with about. Mm-hmm. Those are our core beliefs. Mm-hmm. There are distinctive beliefs that we will argue with you about, right? Argue is a bad word, but like mm-hmm. discuss. Sure. Because they're, they're highly debated throughout theology. Mm-hmm. And so there's always the hard way of wisdom, right? Which is you over-obsess about these things or or dismissive. I've been in both places. I mean, <laughs> I grew up as a teenager just kind of devouring Bible teachers and all these intricate... I mean, the late great planet Earth. I don't know if you remember that book from 50 <laughs> years ago, but there was an obsession in the 70s sure. about end times. Yep. I mean, I'm old. So, um, so I've been... You know, this, I, I, I put the hammer down. This, these are the answers to all the questions. Yep. It was very dispensational. It was very fundamentalist. It was, and then, of course, you meet other people in the kingdom who are wrestling through wrestling through the same things. Then the danger becomes, I become dismissive. I'm right. just like, ah, oh, none of this stuff matters, right? Yep. We want you in your Bibles. That's right. And what, again, really to get the most out of this series is hear what's said on Sundays. But again, we've got that resources page. You know, there's a reading plan. Yeah. There's other things to do. And just to, it's like drinking from a fire hydrant. For sure. Really, you know, so you're going to, if you really care about these things, and you do, and we love that you do, when you're asking these questions, you know, you're going to do some work yourself That's right. with humility yes and uh continue to engage well said all right so that that covers our rapture questions um so do we want to ask ask one more why not all right so we'll throw in another one so why will satan be released after a thousand years to deceive god's people again it just doesn't make sense I'm, i'm really identifying with this question here. It Good, I'll let you answer it. It just doesn't make sense <laughs> that we could follow Satan after being saved and spending a thousand years with Jesus. What kind of idiots would be tempted to follow Satan again after a golden age with Jesus? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> sinful ones, yeah. right? You know, again, it, Jesus lives inside of us. Mm-hmm. And are we still deceived? Yeah. yeah. You know, and so... I think this is a great question, mm-hmm. right? I, I think this is uh, a well thought out question, and I, some things you don't know the answer to, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think you have to trust God's plan. Mm-hmm. I know that's like a circle around the the the, the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, you have any thoughts, Brad? Well, I do have some thoughts, which is to go right to the very beginning of Genesis, and we talk about Adam and Eve, who were in a much better place than we were. Right? Yep. They lived in a perfect world. Right. They didn't have all the corruption of sin around them, and even in that state, you know, they were tempted by. They were capable of being tempted by Satan. So we're. It's the depths of our. Sinfulness. Sinfulness, yeah. The, uh, and, and the desperateness of our, apart from God, just we, 
Yeah. It's hopeless. It's hopeless. Unless yeah. he orients everything we... He's the center, and we orient everything we think about. Another great example of this... So Genesis is a great example. Adam mm-hmm. and Eve lived in a perfect world, a heavenly world, mm-hmm. and they still walked away, disobeyed God. Judas, what about Judas? Yeah. One of the 12 disciples, he sat with Jesus, mm-hmm. interacted with Jesus, was one of Jesus's closest friends. Mm-hmm. And what did he do? Yeah. He betrayed him. Right. And so it is the depth of our sinfulness mm-hmm. is so... We, we need to be reminded of it constantly, of how evil... And, and unfortunately, that's the, the proper word. We don't mm-hmm. like to hear it, but... Mm-hmm. We are prone to wander. We are evil at our core. And until Christ ultimately solves that problem, that's what the book of Revelation is. The yeah. wiping is what we talked about. Babylon is gone. Yeah. Let let him who <laughs> let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Yeah. Right? It's just always the danger. Well, listen, great questions. Yeah. Um, great series. Uh, just a couple of weeks left of this. Uh, get those questions in if you still got them, and we'll keep answering them. But have a great week. Yeah.